My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Bree Castellini. I used to be sitting further away from Chris. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode, because we don't have time to talk about it right now. Or wait till the end, where we'll explain again then. Uh, (laughs) Really good sentence. Really good sentence. Honestly, one of your best. It was. One of my top ten sentences. (laughs) Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com. That's podcast, uh, burn noticed with a D. uh, Or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. So, Chris, do you want to explain to the good people why we're A, slightly rushed, and B, way too close together? Um, <laughs> this, this is your, is, this is a banner season for you. This is it a is. banner season for me. <laughs> Starting out so I, good. I packed my omnidirectional microphone in my bag and I could have swore that I packed the cord that went with it. I remember doing it. I remember putting it in the bag thinking I need this. And yet somehow when I opened the bag, it was gone. I don't know where it is. I hope it's not somewhere floating in New York city. I also hope that it is not somewhere floating in New York City. So as a result, we're using the podcasting mic that I use when we are long distance, uh, which is technically a better quality mic, but it is uh, directional, which means that it is pointed in one distance. So we can't sit on either side of the table from each other. We have to sit like right next to each other, cheek to cheek, ass to ass. Uh, (laughs) We don't have to be ass to ass, but we are. So we're, we're just speaking directly in front of us, uh, very close together. I can feel the heat of his body, and I hate it. It's so bad. I really wish you'd go back to L.A. Yes. And also so, that you'd watch this episode two days ago. <laughs> yes. Uh, lots but, of but say la vie. It's Bernie's Burn Notice season two. Who gives a shit? Exactly. We've all <laughs> given up. So this episode, Turn and Burn, which means nothing, aired July 17th, 2008. It was written by Alfredo Barrios Jr. And it was directed by John T. Kretschmer, who directed seven episodes of Burn Notice, as well as a ton of great stuff in the 90s and early 2000s, like Buffy and Veronica Mars, uh, a bunch of Star Trek shows, Xena. And he was also the first AD on two of the greatest films of the 90s, Jurassic Park and Dunstan Checks In. Yeah, he th- both of these names we've heard before. So like this this is a standard burn notice episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, the premise of this episode according to IMDb is while Michael's new handler asks him to locate a Tunisian counterfeiter, Sam asks him to help a woman who says she is being stalked by a drug dealer, and his mother asks him to join her in seeing a therapist. That's too many things. It's a lot of things, but I have to say I actually really enjoyed this episode. I did I did too. Like, yeah. Um, spoiler alert for the end. I enjoyed it too. Um, (laughs) Spoiler alert. I'm not so much of a curmudgeon today. Yeah. Well, I'm on the defensive. I have to be nice because I've been bad. (laughs) Yeah. And I I do like that uh, I get to be this close to you when you're in a good mood. I hate everything about that. Well, guess whose fault that is. I mean, it's mine. (laughs) It's mine. I can't wait till you do something wrong eventually. 
Anyway, let's talk about the plot. Uh, so it starts with Michael and his inky black night room where he always <laughs> does everything alone. Yep. At his desk, decoding a cro- a crossword puzzle that was given to him by Carla last week. Yeah, I remember the end of last week's episode. She left a, a crossword puzzle after flirting with Sam. It's that one. It's that one. Connections. It's that, that very one. <laughs> that very crossword. Just like, in like we're just learning how to serialize things. Mm-hmm. And they're uh, doing such a good job. I'm so proud of them. Exactly. And it... And it means a meeting is what it means. And so um, Michael meets with Carla the next morning You, you with Sam and Fee like as surveillance. Like Sam has this nice camera that we learned that he got from Veronica. <laughs> his like... All of his possessions are Veronica's. That's why he had to wear Michael's little sur- shirts last episode. Exactly. He is a kept man. He is a kept man. Um, he's well kept. Don't look at me when you talk. I know. He's well kept. Um... <laughs> For lots of reasons, but yeah. most mostly because I don't want you to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he meets Carla at a mall, and she gives him a task. Um, he needs to get a copy of a very high-tech security badge um, from a Tunisian counterfeiter. The only counterfeiter in Miami who can do this thing. This time I believe it. Yeah, that this time I do believe it. But I like to imagine that there's one of those, like, out, outdoor like shopping malls like where every all of the entrances are on the exterior and all of them are like this is the only one in Miami the the outside shopping mall is just called the only one and it's every shop that is only one in Miami so there we've got our art dealer we've got our foil embossing we've got whatever happened last week we've got our fucking Tunisian counterfeiter yeah they're all just in a row. It's nice. You go there and one afternoon you knock out everything you need to do. Yeah, because there's only one around town. So it's probably easy to like stack up your errands just all in that one shopping center. Yeah, this is like spy and crime alley, basically. <laughs> basically. Where you, where you get everything done. And she wants a copy of this badge and she wants it in two days. And then also her goons steal the camera from Sam, Veronica's camera, and kind of break it mm-hmm. to show that you can't spy on her. Like <laughs> that's what she does. That's what she spies on other people. Really quickly, so this is something that kind of came up last week and is even more present in this episode, at least in like the you know crossword puzzle, um, you know decoding. Why are they sending him coded bullshit when they could just call him? Like I don't like. It feels like so. Last week we talked about how they were constantly flexing, but for no reason because we already established everything they were flexing on. And this week it just seems like. Hey, do an unnecessary spy task for spy reasons, even though all that they really need is, hey, can you meet me tomorrow for coffee? Like, just text him. Why are we doing this crossword puzzle bullshit? Nothing about them makes sense. Like, again, spoiler alert for later, eventually they kill this counterfeiter. Mm -hmm. Like, if they're, like, good enough at their own shit that they can kill this guy, why do they need burn notice to go get a copy of the thing? Like, it, it seems all of this... Well, like, exists entirely to fuck with him. Well, yes, for sure. But also I think that, so the one thing that I will give them cover on um, is that the reason they have people like Jimmy and Michael do stuff, maybe in this case it le- makes less sense, but largely I think it's like to keep their own hands clean because they are they don't have to send Carla to go do it because she's too high level at this point. Like they don't want to send someone from their actual organization so that if the case may be that something goes wrong, um, like their hands are clean of it. But I will agree that for this particular one, it's like just... Peg, you, we know you know how to place a Craigslist ad from the guy from last week. So just yeah. place another Craigslist ad. Yeah, it doesn't se- Yeah, it doesn't seem like they need him for this. Yeah, and and it definitely doesn't seem like they couldn't just like call him like, hey, can you meet today? I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm not free at four. Can we meet at four thirty? 
Yeah, I guess. Like, why crossword puzzle? Why coded crossword puzzle? Like, the message at the end of last episode was a good enough reason to have the crossword puzzle there. The additional, like, spy-coded message within it seems entirely unnecessary. No, it's one... Everything about this is unnecessary. And it just seems like they want to fuck with him. Neat. All but, right, moving on. But moving on, yeah. So um, they steal. And so Sam is double in the doghouse because he was already in the doghouse with Veronica, like, from the caddy getting messed up last week. Mm-hmm. Which, and also him coming home beat up and, like, not coming home for multiple days. Yeah, although he doesn't mention that this week. He just mentions the caddy. It sounds like she got over that really quick and she is <laughs> more upset about the car. Uh, and so now they have to spend more time together. And so now he's doing Pilates with her, even though that's emasculating. Yes, I've, I have heard that about Pilates. Yeah, I know. Like, there's this weird, like, runner about um, Sam doing classes with Veronica and how that seems like it's emasculating, like he shouldn't be doing that yeah, or like whatever. Yeah, the cooking class that they mentioned later. Exactly. And they're like, you're doing a, a class like a girl <laughs> with your girlfriend that you like? Reading is for nerds and girls. Exactly. Um, so anyway, after that meeting... Um, Michael meets with Fee, who is very impressed with Carla's over-the-top handiwork. Um, Michael asks her to get in touch with Barry because Barry is now dodging both Michael and Sam because they've only been bad to Barry. Yes, they have only been bad to Barry. Poor Barry. And Fee agrees to do it, even though she hates money launderers for some reason. Like, it's never really explained. It's like she's racist against money launderers. Yeah, that tracks. Don't you know that the Irish are famously against people with money, specifically who launder it for other people? Yeah, I don't understand it. It's like a weird trait, and it doesn't matter. See, but... that, that's why uh, early United States was like racist against the Irish, because they were so racist against money launderers. And they were like, I don't like your attitude, so we're not allowing any Irish in our store. We launder money in these here colonies. Know your history, Chris. Yeah. Uh, he eventually bribes her with yogurt, and it's very cute. Yes. Michael and Fee are like, despite the fact that they are broken up this season, allegedly, are hella cute this season. This is true. Anyway, so uh, Sam brings Michael another job that he needs help with because it turns Veronica on. When Sam is, like, on a case? I can believe that. Like, it, women like it when men have something going on. Because especially for Sam being, like, a kept man who, like, he's the sugar baby recipient of, you know, the the sugar mama. Like, I can imagine that as much fun as it is for her to be kind of in charge, she kind of likes it when he takes charge, when he has an ambition, when he has something to do with himself during the day. I, I can believe that from, like, a, especially a woman's perspective, yeah. like, why she would want her man to, like be fucking doing anything and contributing to society at all during his day. Like there's nothing sexier than a man who's driven and who's got a job to do. That's fair. Okay. (laughs) Does it not turn you on Chris when a man has a job to do? Not particularly. Um, But yeah. And so he's saying like, uh, and, and he sort of explains why it's the way he explains it. Because Michael rightly asks, why do you need me for this job? Yeah. And it sounds like what he says is, I can't do the job by myself because she gets so hot (laughs) that from me doing a job that she wants to have sex with me all the time. So I can't actually do the job because the idea of doing the job is sexy enough that I can't even I don't even have time to do the job with all the sex that we're currently happening. So can you do this job for me so we can keep having the sex? 
I didn't pick up on that, but now that you're saying it, that definitely makes sense. Uh, you know what? Good on him. Good on her, too. Anyway, the job is a, a client. <laughs> a, the job is a client. Great. So many good sentences in this episode, Chris. I'm so good. Anyway, and the client is named Sophia, and she is a waitress who's being stalked by this guy named Raul, and that's the job. Yeah, and he, he's the guy that I mentioned last week who is also in Lucifer. But in Lucifer, he's a cop who's actually kind of a fuddy-duddy. And here, he's an asshole. Yeah, here he's an asshole with, like, an accent that he definitely doesn't have in his normal life. I always wonder when, like, there's people of color in especially shows like Burn Notice that I know from other media don't have accents, having accents, like, that are more stereotypical to their mm-hmm. skin color. And I'm yeah. always like... Boy, I bet that was a real bummer of an audition for them. Yeah, no, definitely. Because he didn't need an accent. No, he didn't. There was nothing about this man that implied that an accent was what was really going to sell it. But we know why there's an accent. Mm -hmm. And that's a real bummer. So I'm glad he's doing better and can have his normal accent in Lucifer. Exactly. And so... (laughs) The show I'm currently watching, which is apparently my thing in this podcast. To be watching Lucifer. After this, are we doing a Lucifer podcast? Is that how it's... Oh, God. That's in like five years, Chris. Let's deal with it then. Yeah, I I am not 100% sure I'll be alive in five years. We None of us know. <laughs> well, then we better finish all of Burn Notice before then. All right. And so Sam and Michael stake out Sophia's church because Sophia says that she can't come to like the work where she is a waitress for reasons. It's sort of vague and... I think it makes sense later, but I also think it doesn't. So I'm not going to like worry about it. But they stock out, they stake out Sophia's church. There we learn that Sam met her at a cooking class, um, which uh, Michael seems kind of surprised. A, that Sam is at a cooking class, which is unmasculating. And B, that Sophia, a waitress, can afford a cooking class like this. Because it's implied it's a very nice cooking class. No, it's a cooking class Veronica would go to. And we know what Veronica wants, which is all expensive things and sex with Sam. Yeah. (laughs) While he's on a job, but not working on the job. Exactly. And so Raul shows up to meet her with a Mach 10. I don't know how to spell that, but I spelled it that way. I think it's it's a Mach. Mach 10? It's, I think it's, it's pronounced Mach 10. A Mach it's 10. a gun. It's a big gun. It's a oppressive gun. It's a big old gun. And Michael is like, holy shit, that's a Mach 10. Mach 10. Doesn't matter. I think they say Mach 10 in the episode. So. Who knows? Um, that's a Mach 10. Who is this guy? Um, and Michael He looks also, like he has an accent. He does. <laughs> and Michael says, like, this is a bigger thing now. Uh, if I'm going to do this, you have to at least buy me lunch. And Sam says, yeah, I'll buy you lunch. I'm starving anyway, even though he has spent the entire scene eating. (laughs) Already at peak Bruce Campbell. Already. Also, Madeline calls because she wants to get the coffee maker fixed. Because this plot carried over from last week? What if this was the plot for the season? Like the Charger last season. Like every other episode, the coffee maker gets ruined. I would be so happy if that was the case. I think they just are really enamored by the idea that she has this old ass coffee machine that shouldn't like have been in her house anyways, but she's obsessed with it and refuses to get a different kind. It's so inherently funny i mean it's funny for one episode like it wasn't funny for one episode it was i thought it was charming like the back and forth where he's like that coffee maker suck like i'm sorry your fridge is busted but like maybe get a new coffee maker and she's like very adamant about it but i it definitely was not funny enough to get a second episode it was like funny in the way it was like a joke from like someone's one man show about his italian family (laughs) 
It's like, oh, my grandmother, she's got the same coffee maker that she got from that she got like when she came from the old country so many years ago. She refuses to get a new one. Ah, family. <laughs> Do we know what nationality Michael Weston is? I have no idea. And his mother, probably Irish, English, some yeah, something like that. Maybe some Czech. It could be maybe <laughs> Israeli or Palestinian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus. All right, we have to move on. Anyway, so Fee meets Barry at a spa because that's where Barry is. Yeah, everyone else has like their favorite bar. Barry has a favorite spa. Exactly. Yeah, he tells her that this counterfeiter, the Tunisian counterfeiter, is named Nevsi and is the most arrogant son of a bitch in South Florida. Uh, we'll meet him later. He's not. Yeah, he's just like a guy. He's whatever. Yeah, he's he's a nothing man. Yeah. And he dies, so who gives a shit? Exactly. Uh, so now the title of arrogant son of a bitch gets moved down to the next person. Also, once again, why the fuck is Barry here? It feels like every other episode that Barry is in in this show, he does not need to be in. No. I think they just have some sort of like episode quota that they have to fill with the actor because he fully does not need to be in this this scene. This is the only scene he's in the entire episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. Why is he there? Yeah. They definitely just like the actor and want to write stuff for him, but they don't know how to write stuff for him. Mm-mm. So he just gets stuck in scenes. Anyway, so Michael... Meets Madeline, um, who mentions that she is seeing a counselor now, has made an appointment for the both of them. But as we know, therapy is gay, and Michael does not want to go. Exactly. (laughs) Michael does not want to do this. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't want to go to therapy with Madeline. Oh, yeah. Although, I will say the payoff of the scene in therapy is fully worth it. it. Yeah. Um, But he agrees to go to therapy. Um, Anyway, it turns out Raul is in charge of, like, a bunch of gun guys at the docks. So many gun guys, so, so many, many crime guns. So many crime guns, a bunch of crime guys, a bunch of gun guys. At the docks, of course. They're always at the docks. Exactly, because they're, like, their cover is that they're, like, shipping. They ship stuff. I but... swear to God we've had that exact, like, plot line on Burn Notice before. <laughs> Everything about this we've done before. Yeah, it's a very templatized episode. Exactly. And then so Sam, to figure out their deal, like, just kind of drives up in character as, like, an asshole. There's a lot of Sam being in character as a generic asshole in this episode. But he shows up and he's just like, hey, you guys ship stuff. I got stuff I want to ship. And the guys are like, oh, no, I think you're in the wrong place. Like, no, you seem like I want to ship some stuff on the down low, if you know what I mean. And it's like the, exercise the, equipment. It's like exercise something, equipment. Something's really like banal. Yeah. So I, I want to ship this exercise equipment on the DL, if you know what I mean. I'm going to ship this exercise equipment on the DL, if you know what I mean. Like Barry. <laughs> you guys uh, know Barry? Everyone knows Barry. It's the only reason he's in this fucking show. Exactly. And um Have we established yet that like the main conflict is that or as they understand it right now is that Sophia is being harassed by Raul? Yeah. yeah. Have we established that? Yeah, that she's stalked like, getting he, stalked and harassed. Yeah, he's he's always coming to her place of work. He's always asking her coworkers when she's gonna be there. She's like fearing for her life because this dude is obsessed with her. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and he also seems to be in charge of a bunch of gun guys mm-hmm. um, and who are definitely smuggling cocaine um, because Sam sees stuff. There's always like some random stuff that like, oh, that's cocaine stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's not cocaine, but it's cocaine accessories. Yes, sure. After seeing all the cocaine accessories, uh, Michael confronts Sophia because he thinks she's fishy. Like she just happens to be stalked by a guy who has, like, dealing cocaine and has all these cocaine accessories. And, like, she just happens to meet Sam at this very expensive cooking class. Um, that a waitress couldn't possibly afford. Exactly. Wow, real classist of you there, Michael. Yeah, I mean, 
He turns out to be right, though. <laughs> sure, but he does it, so in a really classist way. He does. Because it turns out she's DEA. She is undercover DEA who is investigating um, these crime people. Raul and his buds. Yeah, Raul and his buds. <laughs> and she's worried that her cover is going to get blown, but she also doesn't want to, like, tell the DEA the trouble she's been having because she doesn't want to get pulled out. Like, she wants to she wants to bring this one in, but she's worried that Raul's obsession with her is going to fuck with her ability to get the job done. Yeah, this is the thing about this twist. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't like, matter. She could have just told them that she was DEA and needed some help. Exactly. Or she could have just been a waitress. Like, there, mm, yeah, like neither of those things. Like, she's still being harassed by this guy. Yeah, that's the problem. The problem is not that she's DEA and needs to, like, discover something. The problem is that she is a woman who is being fully harassed by someone. Like, that's enough. Yeah, like, it seems like they wanted to add a twist, but they didn't actually do anything. Like, it should have been that he wasn't harassing her at all. Like, the... The stakes should have changed in a way. Yeah. It should have been different because she's DEA, but it's not at all. And I mean, I do love that the end, like at the end, she has a little like hero moment where, you know, Raul has turned state's evidence because he's afraid for his life. And they're like, oh, okay, we're going to actually send somebody in to take your statement who like knows a lot about your operation. And she walks in in her little like suit instead mm-hmm. of her waitress outfit. And like, that's extremely satisfying. But I feel like the way that we got to her being DEA was dumb. Yeah, and it it does like it has no bearing on the plot yeah, at but, all. Yeah, she doesn't she, like contribute anything as a result of her being DEA. Like it's just it literally just seems like an excuse for her to walk in at the end. Like that's the only reason that she is DEA in this episode. Exactly. Yeah, they wanted a twist, but like for the sake of a twist, not and, for like the sake of the story yeah. being better or more interesting. Like yeah, I think like it's it's possible that someone wrote this episode and they were like this episode needs something that's boring. It needs some sort of twist. And so they're like, oh, she's DEA. And it doesn't matter. It's boring that women are being stalked and harassed. That's not enough reason for Michael Weston to get involved. Like, honestly, so this is interesting. So the episode that I love, my favorite episode, the one that I've been talking about for a season and a half now, uh, actually has a similar twist where a woman believes she's being stalked and is really nervous. And Michael goes to, uh, like, save her. But then it turns out that something, like, very different is going on. That was a good twist because, like, what actually was going on matters and fully changed the stakes. Yeah, that does not happen. That does not happen here. I feel like Alfredo and Maddie Nix are both like guilty of thinking that their episodes are more interesting when actually they're just adding random bullshit Mm -hmm. that sounds spy-like and twisty, but like they're not good enough storytellers to make it good. Yeah. Because like they're both like the main writers on this series and I have found myself disliking a lot of the choices that specifically their scripts make. Yeah. So just something to think about, buds. Something to think about. Anyway, and sh- anyways, she's DEA, and she's investigating the main bad guy, which is a guy named Campos, and he's a big cartel guy, and Raul is his number two, uh, and he is in charge of security, and she's heard of Michael by reputation, and she's like breaking the law by revealing herself to him. So that's like the stakes of it, but it's that nothing. Doesn't, yeah, that doesn't it's feel real. Um, but like this convinces Michael to want to work harder because like she's on her own at sea, like lot like from the government, and that's like him. Yeah. Like he understands. Also, why did she have to come to him through a cooking class through Santa? Like there was no more convenient way for her to get to Michael. Yeah, like than she- through a cooking class through Bruce Campbell and his lady friend, and then to Michael, like. What the fuck? Is yeah, is needlessly like, unnecessary spy tactics. Just call she, each other. Is she being spied on by like her own cops that she can't like go? 
to like meet Michael like on her off time. I don't get it. It doesn't I mean, make sense. I don't. I mean, maybe it's she's not. Hi, jazz may, hands. Well, maybe it's because like she's being stalked by Raul and she doesn't want Raul to know that they're meeting. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's done. Yeah. Anyway, so they stake out the restaurant that she works at that like Campos likes to do all of his meetings in. Sure. You know, because that's where everyone does their meetings at bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. And everyone is packing heat with Mac tins and what have you because they're in the middle of a turf war with the Mexicans. And so Michael decides he's going to get close to Raul. And then have Campos find out that Raul is, like, getting close to some other guy. It's, like, the thing that we've done three or four yeah, other times. Yeah, three or four times. Something something else. So, wait. So, we do, do we know the nationality of Raul and his buds? No. We just know that they're not the Mexicans? No. I'm assuming they're Cuban. Okay. It's Miami. I'm assuming they're Cuban. That's fair. Um, cool. That's all I had. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, like, in the middle of the stakeout, Raul calls Sofia and it gets very gross and controlling. And it... Just so we know, he's gross and controlling. Yeah, and that it, hasn't been established well enough yet. Exactly. Um, oh, is that true? Oh, actually, no. We don't see Barry again, but we do see things that Barry gave Michael. Because Barry gives Michael all of these fake checks so he can learn how to make phony blank checks as proof to the Tunisian counterfeiter, Zebsi, that he's also a counterfeiter. Because what, what he wants to do is to like show up to like the Tunisian and say, Hey, you're a counterfeiter. I'm a counterfeiter. We're both in the same job. Can you help me out with this thing? Mm -hmm. And so they have, uh, Michael has this montage with fee where they're like washing checks where they like basically are getting rid of all of the ink from like written checks, except for like the signature. So they're like blank checks. He explains that in the voiceover. And I don't know why Barry couldn't have just given him... I don't know why Michael has to do it himself. Because we need the montage of him and Fee doing some spy stuff. Yeah. It's, it's all of this, the, just like the details in this episode and this type of episode, Alfredo and Maddie Nick's episode specifically, are just like, hey, look at this spy thing. But they're all tied together with like such, you know, loose justifications that it's like, guys, we're not fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, you can have cool spy stuff that matters. Just do cool spy stuff that matters. Yeah, have it affect the plot. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, they wrote a plot and then threw in some spy stuff later. Yeah, it's just spy stuff for the sake of spy stuff and not for the sake of, like, telling a good story and moving it forward. Yeah, and so anyway, so Michael meets Nepsey, um with, like, his blank checks, and he puts on a bit of a crime voice. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is distinct from his blue collar voice. Exactly. Yeah, it's a crime voice. So he comes in. He's a crime guy, he, and he explains that uh, he's a he's good with papers, but like this stuff, these badges look like computers. <laughs> it's like he just throws the badge on the table. It's like, hey, I need a copy of this. Looks like computers. I don't co- I don't do computers. I do cr- I do paper. I'm good with paper, but I don't. <laughs> I'm no good with computers. So can you do this computer thing? I'm a real analog crime guy. Exactly. <laughs> um. And Nefsi, the most arrogant son of a bitch in South Florida, is like, why did someone think that you could do this? <laughs> it's like, and he pulls out all of his, like, washed checks. And it's like, hey, look at this. Look at all this fucking shit I got here. P, I'm good at this shit. And Nefsi's like, washing checks. Check fraud is for children, for babies. <laughs> run, che- a- run along in your little shirts. <laughs> yes. And so... Uh, Nebsi agrees to make a copy and he says, I can do you a basic one that'll take you a day or I can do a real good one and that'll take you a few days. And there's a deadline, but Michael decides to ignore the deadline 
and get the real good one, which is the right call. Yeah, exactly. And, and it calls to question, like, why the deadline is necessary. Exactly. It never comes back. It is not important that there is a deadline. It's just... I mean, she bugs him about the deadline, but it never Right, but, it, but like, why did they need that? Like, exactly. they never explain. They, after she it, bugs him, she's like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't Once again, it. people are just saying stuff to be menacing or spy-like, but none of it fucking matters. Anyway, while this is happening, Michael is missing his therapy session. And Madeline's very pissed that he missed the session. And then and then Carla shows that she's calls and shows that she's watching him do the thing. Again, like he's always being babysat while he does these things. Why do they need him? Yeah. And because she she's annoyed that he doesn't have the badge already. And he's like, You want a good badge, don't you? And she's like, ah. and that's the scene. Yep. End of scene. <laughs> Just exposition, women nagging Michael. Exactly. So then Michael uh puts on a different alias <laughs> and shows up uh to meet Raul and he as a facilitator. He doesn't have a voice in this accent. I'm very disappointed. Yeah. Um, the, he doesn't have a voice with this uh, alias. alias, this said accent. Yeah. Um, he says that he used to work with the Mexicans, but they didn't appreciate him. And so now he wants to work for Campos and Raul and make Raul look like the hero for Campos. He doesn't want to ever meet Campos. Mm-hmm. He just wants to like make money off making Raul look good. Right. Um, and Raul's hesitant at first, but then he's like, yeah, no, I want to look good. Looking good is good. Once again, crime men never watch TV in Burn Notice Universe. <laughs> exactly. Um, also, and like Raul, in that scene, Raul like just kind of gets really gross about Sophia. And mm-hmm. like, really, like, really controlling, really gross. Now the, now we get to like see it in person. Yeah. And it sucks. It sucks, yeah. And like Michael just has to grit his teeth, even though he wants to punch him in the face because he is a valiant white knight. <laughs> White is important here. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, Raul has an accent. Anyway, so Michael meets Madeline to apologize about missing the um, meeting, but she's so happy because he got her a new coffee maker, except he didn't. Also, there's another crossword because Carla, Carla was the one who got the new coffee maker. Why would she call him a scene ago and then leave him a note? A scene later. We already know that she can break into his mom's house. We know that she has his fucking phone number and that he will answer. Just use your words, spies. This is so unnecessary. Yeah, and then she meets him again just to say, hey, if you miss a deadline, if you miss a deadline again, we'll leave some, another gift in your mom's house and it won't be a coffee maker. It'll be a printer or something. Yeah, once again, raising the stakes for no reason. But because not the even, stakes aren't raised. The stakes aren't actually raised. It's just saying like, hey, in the future, we could raise stakes. Yeah, exactly. It's, ugh, Alfredo. <laughs> and anyway, so Fee breaks it, like puts a tracker on one of Campos's trucks so that Michael can tell them that there's a tracker on the truck and then look good in front of Raul. And so he does this. He meets with Raul. Um, and as he's meeting with Raul, Raul has his guys search Michael's car. And Michael, knowing he is going to be searched, plants like some like gam- some evidence of gambling debts so that Raul thinks that he has something on him. So that, that Raul- That's pretty good. It I was, enjoyed that. It was cool, but also like it didn't again it was like random spy stuff that didn't affect anything and it's also i mean it shows competency but yeah i agree i wish it had come back to something like i wish raul had like used it against him and like michael had played along for a little longer yeah it doesn't mean anything i think it's it's supposed to just make raul feel like he's more in control of this relationship i mean it is but like it doesn't it's not interesting yeah no. which makes you wonder is michael always doing this 
Like, should we assume that every time he's running this con, he has... Incriminating bullshit in his car. Exactly. Every <laughs> single time. Because that's the thing about, like, shows like this, is that they have to, like, like have a new spy tip every week. But, like, theoretically, these are all things he should be doing all the time. Sure. And so it's, like, it's always a thing of, like, here, this is something that you should always be doing, and then we never see him do it again. <laughs> I, although I will give this show credit. This show does reuse its basic plots all the time. <laughs> anyway, so Michael tells him there, there's a tracker from the DEA on your trucks. And, and Raul checks, and sure enough, there is. And he's like, ah. And he's like, oh, thank God I have that guy, guy who doesn't have a name. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we ever get an alien We never, name. anyway. So eventually, Michael and Madeline meet the counselor who has the same hair as Madeline. The exact same hair. That's, that's old white lady in Miami old, hair. Old white lady in Miami hair. And, like, this is on purpose because at the end of the scene, like, Michael's like, so what made you choose her? <laughs> yeah, and we meet this counselor who says that she thinks that C in counseling stands for communication. It doesn't stand for anything. It just stands I want for- I want to know what she thinks all the other letters stand for. <laughs> you just want, like, an alliteration, or not an alliteration. Um... An acrostic poem. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I want an acrostic poem from her. O stands for our work together. <laughs> U stands for you. M stands for money. Me. You give me money and I will tell you what's wrong. Oh, but no, the C just stands for counseling. Sure. Um, Madeline in the session tells a story about how one year in the past eight years, he forgot to call her. On her birthday. Despite the fact that he did it the other seven years. Exactly. Yeah. She's like. He did it before and he's done it since. Exactly. You would think like she's always talking about how we, I never see you. I never hear from you. He's calling her on her birthday every year. He's a spy. <laughs> and like, again, he explains to the to the counselor that, yeah, I didn't call her because I had gotten attacked on a mission and I was in a hospital <laughs> and the hospital didn't have a phone. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. And then and the counselor's like, well, it's your turn, Michael. Do you want to say something? <laughs> and then Michael tells a story about how Madeline like looked the other way when Michael got beat up while stealing groceries for the family because their dad had like lost all their money. And so he stole groceries and got the shit beat out of him because they had no money. And he was nine years old. He was nine years old when this happened. And then she didn't say anything. She took the groceries and didn't say anything about how he got the shit beat out of him. A nine-year-old because mm-hmm. he stole groceries to feed his family. Yep. And like... I have a problem with this show sometimes. Where, <laughs> Just sometimes. <laughs> where they want to tell the story about how Michael's background was tough, but like it was horribly abusive, mm-hmm. but they don't kind of realize it. Yeah, they don't they don't take that as seriously as it seems to need to be taken seriously. Yeah, because like he it's tells, just sort of like a fun anecdote. <laughs> like he tells the story and then Madden looks like like uncomfortable and then goes And then we went to Disney World and it's like a punchline and it's like, that's so fucked up. Yeah. That's like, just so fucked up. Both of these people definitely need to be in therapy. Exactly. (laughs) For sure need to be in therapy, but maybe separately for a while. Anyway, so Raul calls uh, Michael because he is pissed because he has looked up some phone records and it turns out that Michael and Sophia have been talking. 
And he thinks that Sophia is like cheating on him with Michael because that's who he, he is. And uh, Michael just sort of is like, no, I was checking up on you. I was investigating you before I like made a deal with you because I want to know who I was dealing with. But she loves you so much that she didn't give you away. Literally, this is the exact conversation that he had when he almost got made in the fucking airplane episode from last season. Yeah. Ari's like, you're having way with my girlfriend. And he's like, no, man, I tried to have a way with your girlfriend, but she wouldn't give you up. Like, literally the same conversation. After this episode, I'm going to look up if Alfredo Barrios Jr. wrote that episode. He probably did. I am guarantee he did it. Exactly the same. Uh, Also, like, during this scene, like, I think Sophia, like, at one point just puts her hand on a knife like she's going to stab him. Like... How much do you suck at being undercover? Yeah, for real. But yeah, she's also like super beat up during the scene. That's important. She's got That's like true. a bruise on her cheek and all this kind of stuff. So That's like true. she has she has gotten the piss taken out. That is true. Anyway, so Raul decides that it's time for Michael to meet Campos, which is bad because the whole point is that he's never supposed to meet Campos so that like he can betray him later. Sure. So they have to call an audible. Mm-hmm. So um, Sam goes back to the dock as the obnoxious, in character as the obnoxious, like guy who sells exercise equipment and he's got like a big exercise ball. He's like, Hey guys, come on. You got to see this exercise ball. Come on, ship my exercise ball. And while he does that, Fee plants some C4 on a car. Uh, no one sees her. Yep. No Be- one sees her. Um, because they're being distracted. Because by of Bruce Campbell's giant ball. Exactly. His single ball. His single ball. He's an old man. Things yeah, happen. Things happen. I mean, he did lose a tooth last season. That's true. Anyway, so Michael meets with Campos and Raul. And then so Sophia calls Raul away um, because she says that she's at work and that there's some guy harassing her at work. And only Raul can <laughs> harass Sophia. Uh, only Raul can harass Sophia. Um, the guy, by the way, is played by Sam being Chuck Finley. Like, he just mentions a little bit. He's like, hey, come on, be here with old Chuck. <laughs> just enough so we know that it's Chuck Basically, Finley. they're just sitting in a car nearby. They turn on, like, me- like uh, Hispanic music in the background to, like, set the stage. Yeah. Uh, Sophia gets on the phone, and, and Sam just, like, catcalls her from two feet away. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's a good, it's a it's, fun scene. It is fun. And then Raul was like, I got to go deal with this stiff. I got to go deal with this shit with Sophia at work. And Raul leaves. And Michael's like, hmm, Sophia's not at work today. And Campos is like, you seem like a reasonable dude. I believe you. That's messed up. Yeah. Is it possible that maybe Raul wants to assassinate you? And so, and then at that moment, <laughs> Fee, with a sniper rifle, starts shooting at Campos. <laughs> and so, and then Michael just like knocks him down. And, like, and pretends they- to save his life. And then also Fee blows up the truck just to really sell the idea that you're getting assassinated and by Raul. And it's specifically Raul. Because Sophia doesn't work today. Um, and so after this, Raul actually does go to the cops. Because that's the other thing. Michael's like, do you think Raul would go to the cops? <laughs> and then Raul does go to the cops. And then we get this scene where, like, he's, where he says, I'll give up compost, but you need to just give me, like safety or whatever keep me safe and he says yeah we'll keep you safe but first why don't you talk to the detective that's on the case and it's sophia and she's like hi raul <laughs> i don't even think she says anything i think they just does she say hi? i think she says something but i forgot about it it was i will say it wasn't hi raul <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that is that is not a representative line reading from the show no <laughs> anyway so back to the tunisian plot michael gets the badges from nevzi and then pays him an extra five grand to find out what they're for. Because he wants to know what Carl is up to. 
and he feels real good about it. He's like, I did good spy stuff. And then he leaves and he sees like a van and like a car watching them. And he realizes, no, I feel like I'm winning. That means I'm losing. And so he runs back in to check on Zebzi and Zebzi is dead <laughs> because they have like pumped his back room with nitrogen gas. And so he's suffocated to death. Yeah. Um, and so Nebzi's dead and he, he's not going to find out anything. And then he takes something and this is very confusing to me. This is very confusing to me because Michael gets the, co- the badge back and the copy of the badge. He gets two badges back from Zebzi. Yes. The original and the counterfeit copy. And then there's like a third one like sitting around in the room that he's just been suffocated in and he takes it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I was also confused by that. But why was there a third one? Yeah, Did Zebsi just make one for himself just to have? I think that's what we're supposed to like assume, but that was not explained at all. No, so. like why would that be the case? It's it's like as if he made two cop. I, I think it's because in the future in future episodes Michael is going to use that like oh. third key. Oh, definitely 100%. But like you know, it also would have worked if Michael was like, hey, I need two copies of this key. <laughs> um, yeah, that would have been easier, but yeah. it wouldn't, it, he wouldn't have gotten something out of Nipsey being dead. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense that it exists. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Nipsey's dead. Nipsey's dead. Who gives a shit? Anyway, so... There's, we are one less arrogant son of a bitch in South Florida. <laughs> somewhere, another really arrogant son of a bitch is just getting a feeling in his head like, it's my time now. <laughs> he has ascended to the arrogant throne. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, anyway, so um, now we get to Madeline and Michael again. And Madeline says that she doesn't want to see that counselor anymore because she asked too many questions about how you got abused as a child. <laughs> That's not what I'm in this shit for. I am the real victim here. Um, and then she, then she says that she thought that Michael didn't want her to know that he got beat up because he looked so proud that he got the groceries. And so she was really doing him a favor by not like acknowledging the trauma and abuse that he, you know, had to deal with because his dad was a deadbeat and she was looking the other way. Oh my God. It's so awful. Yeah. It's really, really bad. And like in a very, in a different kind in a Treadstone style show, this is not how they would handle this. Yeah. And the thing is like the show, Gets that it's serious, but it doesn't really get that it's yeah, serious. Yeah, it really doesn't. Anyway, so after that, Michael meets with Carla and demands that they don't kill any more people because he's mad that they killed Nebsey, um, even though he called him a child. Yeah. Um, he doesn't like that because he he's like Batman. He doesn't want to kill people, except he has killed plenty of people. Yeah, he's killed plenty of people. Michael, get your story straight. Exactly. But he doesn't He doesn't like that. And she's like, all right, fine. <laughs> And then as she's leaving, um, he speaks to her in Arabic. And then she speaks Arabic back and then leaves. And then Michael calls Sam and explains that Carla speaks Arabic with a Kurdish accent. And that means that maybe she was stationed there. And if Sam could find that out. And he's like, that's not a lot. And he's like, (laughs) yeah, but it's what we got. And that's burn notice yeah basically the premise of this episode in terms of like michael's plot with carla is him constantly trying to learn information about her and her always being one step ahead but finally because of this kurdish accent he's got something because after all michael weston is a big ass super spy 
a big ass super spy with a lot of big ass super spy tips. Yeah. All right. We have 10 minutes to finish this episode okay, and then I basically got to leave immediately. All right. So let's power through these tips. All right. Tip number one, in the world of intelligence, if an oper- operative hands you a crossword puzzle, chances are you just received a coded message. It's the art of steganography, sending messages that don't seem like it unless you have the key. He never has the key. Yeah. No, I, I guess the key is part of the crossword puzzle. I don't, I don't know. know. This wasn't enough. I We learned a word. I don't think that's enough. It's only it we it it's only matters if we learn like the brand of something or like the type of bullet or like things like that. Like learning something is only valuable if we can use it. But like I don't, I don't feel like learning the word steganography is like practical enough as like the frag ten is what you use to get through bulletproof glass. Although I feel like I'm much more likely to need to know that then like I'm never buying bullets. Like But you're always talking about steganography and you need that word in particular. You don't know my life. Mm-hmm. I I'm gonna say no on this one. Okay, I'll give you that. No. All right. All right, number two, in covert ops, you always wanna be setting the meeting. If someone else does, they control everything. The security, everything. No that, shit. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Um Check fraud is more about technique than technology. You can use nail polish remover to remove ink. You remove everything but the signature and you've got a blank check. This is check washing. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. We'll take this one. Yeah, so that's one. <laughs> now we know how to, to exactly. You know, now we checks. can exactly. Now we can do a catch me if you can. Yeah, we, we gotta fund this fucking podcast somehow. Exactly. Um, there's no honor among thieves, but there is respect. Establishing that you're in the same racket is a great way to make an introduction. I feel like we've done this so many times. This, yeah. this is not new information. No. Even if I never watch Burn Notice ever. No shit. Yeah. No, not that one. All right. The best way to make a friend is to solve a problem for them, and if they don't have a problem make one. I mean, that's good. And it like is a good idea. Do you think that that's practical enough to give them a tip? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah, I'll give it to him. All right. Uh, Relationships are about trust. People trust you when they have something on you, like say info about a mistress or a gambling habit. So this didn't come into play into the episode as much as it should have, but I do think this is a good tip. Yeah. Like, like that. Yeah, that's useful. Yeah, cool. People don't trust information that they get for free. If you want to sell someone on a lie, you've got to make them drag it out of you. We've definitely had like We've an identical 100% tip. 100% had that before. Okay, so um, you got the, t- the, the point last time, guys, but not this time. Nope. All right, experienced operatives play their cover even harder under pressure. We've definitely gotten this before because, again, it was the exact same scene. Yeah. Um, beautiful women aren't actually the best way to distract a group of guys because the guys want the beautiful women to stick around. Obnoxious guys, they just want to get rid of. I actually think this is practical too. Like that's a good point. It is a good point. And like it's, it it's sort of like the slow car, fast car thing. It is. Yes, it is. And I like that. And it led to a fun scene. Yeah. I love Sam and his balls. Exactly. Um, most assassinations involve firing a single well-placed bullet. The trick to selling an attempt involves a lot more firepower. Mm. Yeah. Um, in intelligence, a good adversary lets you think you're winning, so you you learn to be vigilant when you think you have the upper hand, because that's when they'll strike. This only works when that's the case. Otherwise, when he's learning things about her Kurdish accent, this doesn't apply at all. Exactly. Maybe she doesn't actually have a Kurdish accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, pumping nitrogen gas into a room is a good way to suffocate someone. They won't notice until it's too late. It doesn't show up on a talk screen, and it doesn't leave a trace unless you know where to look. So I'm giving this a practical pass, but also it's more of a assassin pass than a spy tip. But yeah. But yeah, that's practical. We now know how to kill someone quietly. Exactly. I mean, no, we don't. 
Yeah, we definitely don't. We also definitely aren't using fake checks to fund this ex- our extremely lavish lifestyles to make this podcast. You're not one of five people I know. <laughs> All right. There are a lot of disadvantages to being at a murder scene. You can get arrested or killed, and it's not fun to hang out with a dead body. But the advantage is that no one is there to object to a little intelligence gathering. This is nothing. This is, this is nothing. This is, <laughs> Be jo- around dead bodies to learn more about them. It's a joke that isn't funny. Anyway. So, but that's, all right. That's five. We that's got, five. We got so we five. got five. All right. So rating the episode. Was there a spycraft or more violence? I think spycraft. They they set up a lot of scenarios. Yeah, no. Scenarios. Scenarios. You, um, did you get, become a Muppet all of a sudden? Oh. All of a, I said all of a sudden. That's not right. Um, now, we're at the spy tips. We have enough spy tips. Yep. We have at least five practical spy tips. All right. Was there... A good alias. No. No. Sat, no voice. Not even a voice. I mean, there's a little bit of a voice uh, when he met the Tunisian guy. Yeah, the, his crime voice is okay. But yeah, yeah. There, there was no alias. No, there was not. Guy yeah. who's good with papers is not a good enough alias. <laughs> but he doesn't know computers. <laughs> this looks like computers. I don't know do computers. I like that all of his bad criminals are from Long Island. Yeah. All right. Uh, Fee and Sam, were they used well? Fee got to blow something up. Sam got to play with his balls. He did. <laughs> You got to be Chuck Finley a little bit, too. He did get to play Chuck Finley. No, those were good scenes. Yeah, so overall, great episode of Burn Notice. Was it a great episode of television? I I went into this episode thinking that I was going to be more on the favor of it, but now that we've talked through all of the insane plot holes and, like, the fact that nothing happens in this episode that makes sense, no. I think it's just an episode of television. Yeah, I feel the same way. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's fine. It was whatever. Yeah, I think that's the hallmark of, like, uh, Nixon Barrios, just kind of, like, because they get this show because, mm-hmm. like, it's their show. Yeah. They uh, almost across the board have great Burn Notice episodes, but not great episodes of television. And we know that that's not mutually exclusive. We know that it's not. No. We have seen it happen. So. But not this week. Yeah. And not with these writers. All right. Anyway, that's been Burn Notice for this week. Thanks again to Vincent E.L. for our theme music. If you want more, you can go to vincentel.bandcamp.com and then check us out on all the socials. Mm-hmm. Uh, until then... Well, we only have one social. Check us out on the social. <laughs> Which one? You'll have to pay attention to find out. Exactly. We said it at the beginning of the episode. All right. Until then, bye. You have to get further away from me. Bye.